The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 540. Got your uh, back with your team previews for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. And we're going to go to a big dog, a juggernaut in the New York Yankees, full of fantasy relevance. Uh, and in order to help break them down for me is a phenomenal NFC player. <laughs> he's been crushing it. He's been on the show before. We talked about the success there. Now he's going to help us break down one of the teams he likes to root for in the New York Yankees. You can find him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. Ben Tid, how we doing, my friend? Hey, Bubba, you're way too kind. Um, it's an honor to be back on, and uh, I've only been doing it for like one year, man, so words are too kind, but I appreciate it. Well, your one year is better than most people have in a long, long time, <laughs> so uh, and we talked about it on the last show, like the way you yeah. kind of went up from Yahoo days up to the NFBC days, and mm-hmm. you earned your stripes. You just, you, you've been doing it for a while, just in the NFBC realm, a little bit shorter, but yeah. uh Looking forward to seeing what your 2023 has in store for you. We've done some like, gladiator drafts together. That was fun. And um, draft season's ramping up. I guess I'll ask this much before we get into the Yankees. What does your 2023 uh, NFPC portfolio look like? Um, right now, eight teams. I did the two gladiators with you, one with you and Brian. And then um, this year I'm doing a three-pack of DCs, uh, a main event qualifier, and I'm going to do two main events this year instead of one. So, so I'll be doing eight NFPC teams. And then – my home league on Yahoo, and then I'll probably do another roto on Yahoo. So I'll be thinking, I think that's 10. Sweet. 10 total. Sweet. Yeah. Well, it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes and we'll probably chat with you again on Bench with Bubba at some other time to talk non Yankee stuff to uh, kind of <laughs> get your brain on there. Cause I have some things that might be happening uh, for certain shows that I'll be reaching out to you and others to talk about. Uh, so it'll be a lot, a lot of fun in that regard. But let's talk New York Yankees. And for those keeping track, I don't really reference ADP a ton on these shows because it varies so much. And I record these at different times, just behind the curtain stuff for people. 
and the ADP, like it'll come into question on certain players, but for the most part, we just want to know the fantasy relevance of these guys. Like, are they worth obviously the ADP price is, is part of it, but are they worth what we got going on? And we'll just kick it off. And as the day that Ben and I recorded is January 18th, the day ATC projections came out. So now we have ATC, we have Steamer, we have the bat, we have pretty much the conglomerate are out there. If you use Razball, they're out there, HQ's out there. You got mostly all the projections are out there and about. Um, so we'll we'll kick off with the big dog and my one of my co-hosts Ryan Bloomfield tweeted it out on Wednesday that you, if you use all three projections the number one rated player in all the projections is Aaron Judge. He's still going about ADP five right now, so he's not getting that number one tag. But we know what Aaron Judge did last year: sixty-two bombs, basically had the year of years that we have seen in a long, long time. Ben, so when you head into twenty twenty-three. Obviously, everyone's going to say regression, regression, because, yeah, you can't be like a monster all the time. That's just common sense. But how do you look at Judge from a fantasy perspective? Is he worth the the price tag now that he's played two pretty much full seasons for Aaron Judge standards? Uh, right now, I think so. Like you mentioned, um, ATC came out. So for me, that kind of kicks off my next step in my in my um, evaluation process. But at, I did a first go through just using more like a skill-based approach, and I, he's my outfielder three right now. Um, I'm thinking I'll probably have him at uh, four overall. Um, I'll probably have uh, uh, J Ram first, but yeah, Judge. I, I think now he's proven that he he can stay healthy. I think the uh, the off season yoga thing that everyone was talking about a couple years ago. I think that really paid off. Um, I'm sure he's smarter now. He's older. Um, he's been doing it for well, now he has well three monster seasons. I think that haven't been really injury plagued. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of just a pure hitter, I think he's almost as good as it gets. Like him and Jordan, probably in the conversation with uh, Soto. So I think wherever you take them you can't really argue with uh being too high on them yeah i'm with you and that's kind of where i was at uh on a recent show with toby when we did our outfield previews that like uh, judge has always been a guy i've been kind of worried about in the past just because of the health and everything but he's proven it two years in a row now the yoga thing i think legit we like joked about it when it first happened yeah. it seemed to be good and there's a lot of proven stuff behind that now it's like way more common than i think we all give it credit for and um it's 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 worked for him. And it's one of those things I I wrote about Judge a couple of years back before he had the consistency and health that if you just look like a, a per plate appearance or per like you know 30 days healthy, one of the best hitters in baseball. There was never a, never a doubt in that. It was just staying on the field and making him worth the price tag. And he's definitely done that. So he makes it much more appealing this year going to 2023. Uh let's talk about his yoga partner, Giancarlo Stanton, who he also has injury issues. He's been a little better the last two years. Even 110 games last year was better than some other years we've seen. But we like the 139 we saw in 2021, if possible. But even in 110 last year, still hit 31 bombs. That never suffered tremendously. The Babbitt suffered along with that. So we'd have to imagine something kind of gets right in that regard, we think. How are you looking at Stanton, though? Because you can get him at a much better discount this year compared to some of these other outfielders that could still, you know, on a good year, could hit you 40 home runs if he gets going. So how do you look at Stanton? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers, like the projections stack up once I go through that. But um, like with Stan, I, I know this was an issue going into last year, but he, his runs are really low for someone who walks like he does. Um, probably because the Yankees lineup hasn't been that um, strong behind him really late in the past couple of years. He's also not the fastest guy. Um, and like last year, looking at his K rate, it was around 30%, and he just couldn't hit anything um, in the second half of the year. I know he had like three homers in October, which was kind of crazy. And three games, but um, like he hits it as hard as anybody still 95% exit velocity or 95 miles per hour, 19.2% um, barrel rate. So he still can hit it. It's just a matter of him being able to hit it. Um, you know, he sweeps with his stance. It seems like he has that weird closed stance and 
I mean, it, it worked with the worked for him for a little bit, but I don't know if he'll have to change that again as he gets older or something. But um, he's definitely like, like one of those boomer bus guys. And like you mentioned, he has like a three round discount probably, I think, compared to last year. So he definitely has some upside if you need some power. But um, and if you have the batting average floor, of course, too. So yeah, yeah, because his ADP right now is about 155 since Christmas. Um, he's gone as high as 111, so some people do believe in him. He's going right behind a guy like Hunter Renfro. I see a lot of similarities potentially in that profile between the two of them. I think Stanton yeah. might have the higher ceiling than Renfro, but Renfro's shown to be on the field more than Stanton, so that could mm-hmm. be a an interesting one to kind of uh, break down as the the uh, off season goes along. Draft season really ranks up there. Um, Anthony Rizzo returned to the Bronx after that one year deal. He resigned with the Yankees this year, and this was a big deal. You know, he only hit two twenty four, and we've kind of seen the average drop the last few years compared to the norm for Rizzo. But still has the really good plate discipline, and he really took advantage of that short portion and 32 home runs, which ties a career high that he's had three other times in his career. So it's a great spot for him. It's just a matter of can we get some maybe batting average to kind of come up a little bit more potentially, but still one of the later first basemen if you are missing out. Uh, what are your, out, your thoughts on Anthony Rizzo going to 2023? Um, I, I'm more in on him than I was last year. Um, my view last year was a little – Injury risk. I mean, he has that back issue. I think that kind of flares up every now and then. But um, I do think the shift will help him a lot. Um, even though he def- he's more of a fly ball hitter, so I mean, I'm sure it won't be as big of an impact as like someone like Seager. But I'm playing Yankee Stadium. He'll have the he'll have the short porch. Um, most of his numbers look pretty good. He had a good barrel rate, um, good X slug, good X woba. Um, so he's someone I'm definitely going to target. I think uh, right now I have him as my 11th first baseman. So I think that might be a little bit higher than where he may be going. Um, or it's in that range. So I'll probably have him at least on one team, I think. Yeah, no, I think I've, I'm with you. I've bought back in on him this year. I was kind of, kind of down on him. And then I started looking at, you know, if he can give me 30 plus homers, I can fix the batting average somewhere else. Right. And I don't think it'll be that low either. Kind of how we were both agreeing there. It'll be probably closer to the 240. I'd hope by, mm-hmm. by uh, this next season, we'll see. But uh, I am buying back in on him because the first base, it, you, know, you got the elite to the elite, and then it kind of gets kind of murky in there. There's a few guys you could you could Christian Walker's the world, the Rizzo's and stuff, so you can make it work. And he just kind of stands out in that world. If you do miss, he, he's a good fallback plan for sure. And um, you know he's gonna hit in the middle of that Yankees order. And I agree. Uh, I can't remember where I said it a while back, but outside of Aaron Judge, is like there was a long stretch of that Yankees lineup was abysmal. It was like really really bad for Yankee standards. So if they can get anything back to kind of normalcy there, when you have uh, Judge second, Rizzo third, Stanton fourth, that could be a, a juggernaut, of course, as long as, you know, um, Judge isn't driving them all in. That's part of it, but yeah. we'll see how that goes. Uh, the projected leadoff hitter for the Yankees kind of surprises me a bit, and his <laughs> name is Glaber Torres. And this is guy, anybody that's played fantasy baseball is just a conundrum is the word, the nicest way I can put it. You know, 24 homers last year, 257. The average has kind of been in line with the norms for him, but the powers just fluctuated so much from those first two years in the Bronx. And this last year was kind of a revert back to that, that uh, first few seasons, even in like the, the quality of contact metrics went through the roof last year. So how do you look at a guy like Glaber? Cause he seems like a polarizing name where there's a lot of people kind of going all in on him now. And then there's others that are still like, it's still Glaber Torres. Let's kind of use some cautious, like, you know, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. So how do you look at Glaber Torres? So he's a guy that I really want to see where, where he hits in spring training. Um, Cause if he stays at first hitting in front of judge, he's going to be, I think he was going to be really valuable, especially if he keeps stealing like he has in the past. Um, but just from watching him all the time, he has a weird swing where it seems like he, it's not like a very powerful swing. So, I mean, I think when he hit those 38 homers, it was really 
it was a lot of the juice ball. So, I mean, now he's hitting like 25, which I guess is reasonable. Um, but if he's hitting like, so I guess it depends on where he's, yeah, it comes down to where he's going to hit. Cause if he's in like fifth or something, then he'll be more RBI oriented, I guess. But if he's hitting leadoff for most of the year, I think this is a good price to take him. Um, and if, like if I miss out on Altuve or Simeon or someone who's going in the top 100, um, I think I'm definitely going to look for Glaber because I don't want who's really going after him right now. Um, the way it seems, the way things look like. So, and like, the, I think part of the issue too with his average, um, he had a 244 XBA, but he, another guy with a lot of fly balls, um, like 46% fly ball rate last year. So that's going to keep his average down, um, especially if the ball's deader. But um, in terms of power, steel, it's, and um, steals at second, I think he could be a pretty good pick uh, where he's going. Yeah, he's a guy that I'm, I was completely out on at first. And then that's the beauty of like the long preseason, especially when, you know, guys like myself don't really stop, is <laughs> the more I talk to people, the more I do drafts, the more I do this or that he's at least standing out as like a fallback thing. So we always talk about roster construction and like, you know, how you can you build something and you don't have to get, you know, X, Y, or Z in a certain round, as long as you know, your fallback plans and Glaber could be a fallback plan. Like you said, if you miss out on a two there, Simeon, he could still be one of those kind of upper end second baseman. If he's leading off, it's a big if, and that's where guys like Mike Kerwin and their, their uh, spring training lineup tractor stuff can, can really come in handy in those regards. And I agree if he's up top there, We've always loved the leadoff guy in the Yankees. Like, what, what's not to love? It's almost like liking Mookie Betts because he leads off for the Dodgers type stuff. Like, he's in a premium spot. So, uh, it could be quite interesting for sure. Let's go to the hot corner with Josh Donaldson. And this guy was tough because, you know, there, I, I even had expectations last year because even when he's, like, down, he still puts up the power numbers, like, consistently does his thing. It's around 240 to 250. And last year, just 15 homers, 222. He was injured off and on, but still played 132 games. So you have to imagine he's kind of playing through an injury from time to time. But now you're getting him at an ADP like 412, Ben. It's like you're not even having to pay a premium for him at a third base position where everybody says it drops off. Um, how do you look at a guy like Josh Donaldson who's still kind of scheduled to hit, what, fifth, sixth in that Yankees lineup this year? Yeah, if he stays at that, I think he's a pretty good DC pick. Because um, at that point, you're just looking for playing time. And uh, the way it looks right now, he's projected to be playing. Um, I think I was listening to Sleeper in the Bus the other day, and Justin and Paul were talking about uh, DJ and I could see DJ playing over Donaldson at third if he's healthy. And also I could potentially seeing DJ leading off so that, I mean, we'll get to him eventually, but um, Donaldson is, I mean, he's, he was just striking out too much last year. And before that he always had the, uh, the calf issue. And I mean, I know from experience that a calf can be pretty annoying if you pull it. So, uh, and he's older now. Um, I don't know if he can figure out the strikeouts. I think he could be he could be serviceable, especially I mean for fantasy and the Yankees. But um, I feel like a lot of people got burned by him last year because he was going I think in the top two hundred, and now he's like his ADP is more than doubled. So um, yeah, I mean at this price, I don't see why it wouldn't hurt to take a risk on him. But other than that, I mean I'm not too optimistic about him this year. Yeah, it's just, it's pretty much like the DC thing you mentioned. I, I've been circling him there as like my second or third third baseman because what's there to lose at that point in time. But you mentioned the DJ LeMahieu thing. We'll jump to him now. And it, it's it's an interesting one because, you know, roster resource, never the end-all, be-all. Right. But he's, he's he's on the bench right now. He's probably a utility player. That's how they perceive him. I could 100% see him playing in third base. I could see him just rotating throughout the infield. We saw him play first base at times. We've seen him, D, we've seen him DH at times. Like, we've seen him – they want to bat in the lineup with DJ LeMahieu. And his ADP is like 250-ish right now. So you're still paying much more than you would for like a Josh Donaldson. 
but it's a guy that we know usually brings a pretty solid batting average, a little bit of pop. You know, if he's leading off, like you said, tremendous asset there. How do you look at DJ LeMahieu? Obviously, we need to see what the plan is for him. That's that's obvious. But like, if you're starting drafts in say February, even when you know pitchers and catchers don't report until mid February, are you just passing on him until we find out for more information at that price tag, or are you kind of taking a chance and I got like DJ LeMahieu? Yeah, so when I downloaded the ADP, I think, what do you have him, 255 about? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's too early right now because if if he's a part-time player, I mean, you you need a starter at that point. Um, I mean, even though he does have the triple eligibility for second and third, that's nice to have like in the DC, however we're talking. But, um, I mean, if he proves he's healthy in spring training and then you see him maybe move up to the leadoff spot where he's hit in the past um, – and the Yankees love him because he was so good for them in 2019. And uh, I know all, all the fans really liked him when he was in like 340 or whatever it was. So if, if he can hit, I don't know, like 280 and he's a good on-base guy, so he'll be valuable hitting leadoff for them. If, if he can do that and start, um, I think he could be good. But until we know that, I don't know if I'm going to take him at this uh, this price. Yeah, it's, it's way too rich for me at this point in time. It could backfire. This could be one of those plays that if you take the chance, it could be huge. Uh, I'm just not there yet because I think they do want to see what Glaber can do, for, at least to start out with leading off, it seems like. But um, DJ could easily fit in and take the role of a few different guys on that team. And, you know, there's always going to be injuries too. So right. he's probably going to get a good 120-ish games at least in there, if not more. But it's, it's like, is that what you want at 255? Big, big question there. Yeah, and, and even last year he was – it was the same situation. Like they had Donaldson last year, they had Connor Fluff at short and – Labor at second and Rizzo at first. So, like, they had the five infielder problem. So, it's not like this is new. Um, it's just a matter of who's better, I think, starting out the year between him and Donaldson. So, and yeah, that's a good point. We saw it worked for DJ last year. So, yeah. it wasn't really a top 255 pick in the <laughs> in, in game there. Yeah. Uh, let's head to the outfield here. Harrison Bader, when the trade was made for Jomo, everyone's like, what are they doing? Like, you, you needed a starting pitcher. Yeah, I guess it is what it is. Like he he hit for some pop in the postseason. We know his defense is elite. And that's what they need mm-hmm. on yeah. that team. Um, he brings some speed to the table. When you're looking at Bader, um, ADP of 168 though, you're paying a, a decent price tag for a guy like Harrison Bader. Are you in on him because it does potentially give you later speed in one of your outfield positions? But at the same time, like what else does he really give you? Like enough of, I guess. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, it's just those steals right now. Um, I think he's also a candidate to lead off um, just because of like the type of player he is. If they want someone who can like st- steal some bases leading off, I think if he ends up batting first he could be a pretty good uh, value 
But um, right now, I, my preliminary rankings, I have an outfielder 45. So I feel like I'll be kind of lower on them based, just based on how the player pool probably shakes out. Yeah. In terms of like con- like how well he hits the ball, not very good. He has a pretty low exit velocity, uh, 83 miles per hour, hard hit of like 26. So yeah, I think this is, this is just people kind of, kind of looking for those steals. I mean, because I think he is capable of stealing 30 bases and I mean, also his injury last year was his plantar fasciitis. So that, that could always flare up. Um, so I think this is a little early for Harrison too. Yeah. He's kind of been off my board right now, which is kind of, you know, maybe a fool's fool's thing, but uh, I just don't see it playing out at least where he's at now to making it work out for me when all things are said and done. Now's where it gets fun with the Yankees. Like those first few guys we talked about, they're pretty much locked in to what they got going on. Like we kind of have an idea of they're playing pretty much every day. Now you got Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, left fielder, prospect, got a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. He's shown it in the minors, little cup of coffee last year, did okay with the Yankees. For now, it looks like it was his. it's his job. I was hoping they'd sign Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham just signed with the Mets on Wednesday. Um, they still might go sign someone. That's very, very possible. But if we hit opening day with Oswaldo Cabrera as the left fielder for the Yankees, how are we feeling about him for fantasy? Um, I'm kind of – iffy on him i think i don't know he, he was definitely good for them like he, he provided some youth and he played pretty well when he was in the lineup and they kind of had him in there every day last year and at least in september um i'm look so like i mentioned what well, we mentioned before atc came out so once i see his projection i'll get a better feel for what they, they think about him in terms of like the skills he had a 50 percent fly ball rate which is kind of ridiculous especially for someone with not much not, not much power he had a 86.8 average exit velocity last year so that's not very good um so that could be a lot of lazy fly balls and i could see maybe i don't know depending on, on how hicks plays who we haven't talked about yet i could see him pl- playing over cabrera if he struggles um because i know like cabrera is a good prospect but he's not like um uh oswald peraza or um anthony volpe big but um so i mean 307 maybe i'd rather have someone a little more proven at that point um I don't know, maybe people think he might steal some bases, but I'm not sure about that. Well, let's talk about Mr. Peraza here. Oswald Peraza, he's <laughs> slated to be the starting shortstop, and not just by Ross of Resource. They've actually come out and pretty much said, like, hey, it's his it's his job out yeah. the gate, it looks like. Um, and he's got an ADP of 341, which seems pretty juicy for a potential starting shortstop for the Yankees. Um, he's got some pop, lots of speed. Uh, there's a lot of speed, so it's good late-round speed potentially. Are you in on a guy like Peraza this year? Is there, you know, we'll talk about Anthony Volpe here in a bit, but is is uh, Peraza a guy that kind of concern uh, is worth the squeeze for you? Yeah, I think at three forty one, probably um, he's a, the better profile than Cabrera because of the steals, I think. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Connor Fleffa will is projected to be the backup, which um, so they're going to give Peraza the chance to run with it. Um, I think. Also, well, also too with these guys, they're going to hit lower in the lineup, so the at bats won't be there unless something happens, someone gets hurt. So you have to account for that too. But um, I think where he's going, especially the way he shorts up, kind of falls off. I think he'd be a good middle infielder flyer, um, not even just in DCs, but I think in like a normal fifteen team roto league. Yeah, I'm with you on that because it feels like if he is going to get that starting job, and if he runs with it, and that's no pun intended because he can run a lot. <laughs> It's a really good late middle infield where we're looking for steals potentially. You know, maybe he pops you 10 homers, which he might even do more, but he could steal you 30 plus bags if he plays the whole season. And that's going to be pretty, pretty valuable that late in the draft. So I'm, I'm kind of a fan of that scenario, especially for, you know, the, the Tobys and others of the world to go heavy pitching early. 
getting a guy like that to get some steals late could be a, a big, big gainer when all things are said and done. Uh, any other current hitters? We'll get to Volpe and company later. That uh, you know, come opening day, stand out for you with the Yankees that might have some fantasy viability. Um, well, when you're talking two catcher leagues, basically any catcher is. So um, I just want to, with, with regards to catcher, um, it was basically Trevino and Higashioka last year, um, and they kind of it seemed like it was Trevino more during the the main part of the season. He was an all star, but then in September they kind of were splitting. Uh, Trevino went ice cold, and then. Higashioka kind of caught fire. So it'll be interesting to see um, how this, the timeshare um, plays out between those two. And they also have, and um, they also have Ben Rortvert, uh, I think his name is. He was in the Joss Donaldson trade last year. So I think he was going to be their backup or at least split with Higashioka before um, he got hurt. So he's another person who could potentially uh, get some playing time. But yeah, I would. Right now, I'm not too high on either Trevino or Higashioka. I'm around like SP uh, catcher 30. So that's like the yeah. only other thing I would want to mention. Yeah, for sure. Two catcher leagues. Trevino probably has a little bit of upside to him there. Higashioka, we know he catches coal starts for sure. And yeah. then they sprinkle him in at other times. So, like you said, if he starts, he becomes streamable, I guess, if he starts playing more for sure. So, something to keep in mind there. Let's go to the mound. Just mention Garrett Cole. And there's. <laughs> What what is there to say about Garrett Cole? Literally one of the best pitchers in baseball. 200, 200 innings last year. Home runs went through the roof for his standards, but you know that could be a lot of things. And the bright side is, is there are a lot of solo homers because it's Garrett Cole. So, um, what's your thoughts on Cole? You know, everybody has him pretty much either their first or second off the board right now. How do, how do you assess Cole? Um, right now, he's my SP two behind uh, Burns, but that's just more of a Yankee bias, I think, because he uh, he wasn't the best um, in the second half last year. I know you guys are talking about, I think it was you and Toby or you and Brian or you and yeah, Brian, Ryan uh, talking about the, uh, the Goldilocks ball. So he may have got hurt by that. Um, but in terms of safety, I think in volume, he's right up at the top with anybody. So if you, if you want to take a measure SP one or um, go pocket aces with him and somebody else, I think it's, it's definitely viable. Um, there's not really much to complain about. It's just the, like, put the home runs come the exit velocity is a little high, but I mean, that's the only issue really with Cole, I think. Yeah, it's it's that just consistency of innings pitched, which is so huge for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, I've always said I don't – I can argue anybody that has Burns over Cole or Cole over Burns, I'm not going to argue that at all because, like, that's a literally, you know, picking at straws type thing. But right. uh, I think if I went cons- overall, like, consistency over the years, it's probably Cole, but both, mm-hmm. both great pitchers. So about the new pinch stripe pitcher, Carlos Rodon, who spent some time with the Giants and looked really, really good – Big-time strikeout arm. He's got the innings back last year to 178, which was good to see. Ratios have been great back-to-back seasons. Uh, goes to the Bronx. You know, we talk about the short porch and left or in right. He's a left-handed pitcher, so maybe he faces more right-handed hitters. Who knows? What's your thoughts on Carlos Rodon coming over to the Yankees? Because he's moving up people's, like, overall um, like pitching rankings. Like, right now, he's got an ADP of 45, so the back end of round three, early round four, potentially. So you have to pay for Rodon this year. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, so looking at um, my spreadsheet that I have open right now, he's he was better from a skills perspective than Cole last year um, in most most stats. So, like his FIP was over a run lower. <laughs> his xFIP was like 0. 0.7 of uh, of a run lower. He, like he, he was hit, he was phenomenal last year. So it's definitely exciting. Um, it's, it's ironic enough that the Yankees' best part of their team last year is probably their pitching. So it'd been nice to have gotten like a, a hitter, but I mean, we'll take him. So he basically replaces Tyon in the rotation. Um, and to your point about him being a lefty, I, and typically in Yankee Stadium, you, 
with the lefties, they're going to neutralize the lefty hitters a little bit more. So it'll take away the short porch. I know people have been saying how he's kind of a fly ball pitcher, but if he's facing like, like a Jordan or someone who's a big power hitter from the left side, he's probably going to keep it in the park more often than not. So I don't think that's as big of an issue potentially. And like left field's pretty deep out, at least in the gaps. So that the homers may not be that big of an issue. Um, but for me right now, he's my SP 11. And yeah, I, I moved him up too after hearing everyone kind of gushing about him. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing how he pitches. Hopefully he won't be a kind of starstruck when he gets there. And I know some pitchers in the past have had that issue when they first come to the Yankees, but hopefully he won't. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, and it's a great point because a lot of you, we've seen we've seen a handful of them go into to even the for the Mets, but mainly for the Yankees. You, you roll into there, you got the media presence, just the crowd, the stadium, you name it. It's a different atmosphere than what you're used to. Given the Giants have plenty of media in San Francisco, so he's got, got that going for him. But the Yankees is a different beast, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, he's moving up boards, and I've, I've had to acknowledge that as well. He's like, I think he's like my third. He's in my top twelve. No, I can't remember now. He's, he's close. He's in that realm, yeah. and I probably need to move him up more if I want to get any shares of him. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that one pans out. Um, Luis Severino came back from injury last year, managed to throw 102 innings. We know how good he used to be before he got hurt. You know, 190 innings back to back years. Strikeout stuff's pretty much always been there. Ratios have been decent. What are your thoughts heading into 2023? Now, you know, hopefully gets up to I guess 150 innings pitched, give or take, or maybe he's just free to go. Who knows? But what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, he's someone I would I would be interested in drafting. Um, right now he's my SP thirty, so not really sure how that falls in with the ADP right now. But um, yeah, his numbers look pretty good. He, he was striking guys out last year. Um, I, I wonder if it was the right move to sit him or put him on a sixty day IL last year when he was hurt. It seemed like he was wasn't that hurt, and he was kind of upset about it. But um, I mean that could pay off for this year if he's able to pitch like 160, 170, even maybe one eighty innings. So I think he's definitely um going in a decent range if you want to like load up on those mid-tier uh, starting pitchers. Yeah, he's pitcher 47. Obviously, there's a handful of relievers before that. Uh, ADP of about 112. So he's, uh, yeah, you're paying about the right the price right for range, what, your, yeah. what your rankings are. Yeah, so it's about the right deal. And yeah, it just I guess it's a matter of how many innings he let him go because if he gets to go probably 150 plus, he can be vi- quite valuable And when all things mm-hmm. are said and done there with uh, Luis Severino. Uh, let's keep going down the rotation here. Let's talk about Nasty Nestor, one of the best mustaches in all of baseball. Nestor Cortez, I love the man. He's fun to watch. He's just fun, period. He's a really good pitcher. And uh, he's kind of done it now on back-to-back seasons, which has been great to see here. Went almost 160 innings this last year to really kind of, I guess, quiet things down. Can he do it? Uh, strikeout rates were decent. Ratios were outstanding. Are we buying into Nestor for round three? Um, I am. I wish I had, I had him on one team last year. I wish I had him on more. Um, but yeah, I have him at 28. I said Severino at 30. So he's, uh, I think I'm in the right range on him too. Um, he kind of broke, he didn't really break down at the end of last year, but he kind of had a few rough starts. Um, I think when I looked at him, his like K rate and all that were relatively fine. I think he was just getting tired probably because this is his second, well, he didn't pitch the full season the previous season. And this is probably his first time ever pitching that many innings. So that's understandable. So I'm not too worried. He, he wasn't injured at all. And like his underlying numbers still look good. And he, he when he, he can throw sidearm every once in a while, I think that kind of helps him out a lot, change the look up on the hitter. So I, I think he's a pretty good, pretty well priced right here. Yep. I'm with you. Him and Severino going side by side in yep. ADP. So definitely uh, you got your Yankee combo in effect. Uh, we got notified a few days ago, Frankie Montas, be probably missing at least the first month of the season, give or take, won't be ready for the first month of the season, which opens the door for a couple options Domingo Herman. 
or we get the one and the only, uh, I believe it was not, it was a Clark Schmidt they were talking about potentially getting a spot there. So how would you go about, you know, probably more DC than regular drafting uh, with the likes of Herman or uh, Clark Schmidt? I'll, I'll give you somebody else. I think um, Debbie Garcia could potentially That's step in also. Yeah. Yeah. He, he didn't throw as well last year, but I think in 2021, he, he did a little bit better in his time up. Um, but I think right now it's going to be Herman first. He's shown he could do it. Um, he, he kind of gets, just gets by. Like he doesn't really strike a lot of guys out. Um, so how his ERA is probably going to go up a little bit if he gets more innings this year. And I mean, who knows if Montas will be ready in a month. So um, he could be a, a solid DC guy and he'll be the first one. And I think if anyone else gets hurt and Montas comes back, um, but in terms of who I think would be most likely to fill Frankie's spot, it'd probably be Herman, then Garcia, then Schmidt. Are you willing to take a chance on a guy like Montas in a DC right now? Um, not at two fourteen. Um, yeah, okay. He'd be like probably SP seven or eight for me. I think I'd I'd rather get like a stable rotation, so to speak, before I touch him. I'm with you because I know some people are saying, "Oh, well, he can't be as bad as he was last year." I'm like, I don't know. It was, it was rough. It was it really good. rough, and that ballpark does not help him at all. So yeah. that's why I was really like, when that trade was made, I'm like, "Ew, that's like one of the worst possible situations uh, for Mr. Montas on that one." Let's head to the bullpen where no more Aroldis in town, and that's fine because Clay Holmes was outstanding last year, very, very good. Looks to have the role, and he's like the tenth closer off the board, give or take, right now, which is a big plus. Uh, he looks to have the job going into the season, but there's probably other options. So how do you look at Clay Holmes? And if it's not Clay eventually, who else would you be looking at in that Yankees bullpen? Well, I do feel much better than I did at the start of the offseason because there was a chance they would have signed someone like Ken Lee or um, whoever else was a free agent. But now that it's uh, January 18th and everyone's mostly signed, I mean, they're not going to resign Chapman. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. So we don't worry about him. I feel like he's the guy for now. It's just a matter if he can keep it because he kind of was Chapman-esque in the bad way to end the year. I remember watching the Red Sox game and this one and they were in Fenway and he was like hitting the backstop like Chapman would. It was just, it was rough. He was walking the bases loaded. Um, so he like he was still throwing hard. It's just a matter of him having his command. So he's definitely kind of I think he's kind of risky. Um, I do have him as my RP eleven right now just because of it's close. This the way the closers are. He's going to be like the main guy to start the year, but I could see them pulling him like they, like they did last year late in the season. So I think this one thing to look at going into spring training is his walk rate probably. Cause I mean, they did like him. They got him from the pirates. It was definitely a good trade they made, but he was bad then. So, I mean, if he can't find his command, then I mean, he's not going to be too valuable. If, and if it's not Holmes, like I always thought it'd be Loa Siga at times, but they seem like they like him almost more in high leverage, but he could be the closer. You got Tommy Canely and others. Who would you kind of think would be the next man up potentially? So I would rank it Loa first. Um, I mean, also people probably forget they traded for Lutrevino last year. He closed, I think, at least once. Um, but, I mean, he's not the best in terms of stuff. I, I, another guy last year they used a lot too was um, – Wandy Peralta, but he's their only lefty right now. So I doubt they would put him as the closer at all. I mean, unless they have three lefties and they haven't used him yet. Um, so I would go Loisica, Trevino. Um, yeah, Canley's a good option too. And also they they had um, this guy, Greg Weiser. He was the, their closer in AAA. He had a big year. I think it was last year. He got called up and wasn't the best, but I guess if th they need help, um, he's pro potentially an option too. That He's more of like a DC play though. Um, but I think Loisica would probably be the number one guy to fill in if um, anything happened to Holmes. 
All righty. Let's talk prospects. You kind of mentioned Anthony Volpe early on. Um, yep. What's the expectations for him this year? Because it's like if Peraza is playing well and Glaber's playing well, where's Anthony going to play? So what's your thoughts on uh, him coming into 2023? Yeah, I was surprised to see his ADP where it was. Um, yeah. It was pretty high. Yeah, let me, I'll look it up here right now. It's It was wild yeah. earlier because some of these prospects are going way too high for my liking. Volpe, 375. Yeah, I mean that's that's way too high. Um, I mean like he's a top prospect, but looking at his minor league stats, he only played 22 games at AAA last year, and the Yankees aren't really they're not really an organization who rush people up. I mean, if they're going to need something, they're going to trade for somebody. So, um, and they want to make sure he's good before they call him up. They want they probably don't want to send him back down if they don't have to. So I, I don't think he's going to be up. I mean, he anytime soon at least. I could see him coming up in September. I mean, or if there's an injury, maybe in the middle of the year and say, or I could, so at shortstop, at least kind of would probably fill in before he would get called up. So, um, you gotta be mindful of that. Um, want me to keep going prospects or do you want to? Yeah. Yeah. What other, if what other prospects are you thinking could have an impact this season? Yeah. So impact wise, um, I mentioned Ben Wartford as the catcher earlier. If, um, he's like a, a deep league or AL only type play though. I don't think I would be drafting him any in like a fab league. Um, Austin Wells is a pretty good prospect at catcher. He's a, he had at least 16 steals last two uh, seasons, which I was surprised to see. Um, he was the number one pick a few years ago, but I don't think he's ready to get called up. Um, he's something to keep in mind for like dynasty. I'm sure he's already taken, but if you're ever willing to trade. Um, and then the other guy who's probably going to have some playing time, um, he's been around before. That's uh, Esteban Florial. He's an outfielder. Um, he didn't do very well last year, but I think he did a little bit better when he's up in 2021. So if Stan gets hurt or, God forbid, Judge or anybody else, um, he could definitely fill in. Um, right, like it's kind of neck and neck with him and Hicks um, as the backup. And then the big prospect is uh, Jason Dominguez, who's he's a couple years away still, but he's um, he's he's the big guy in the pipeline. That uh, it'll be good to see him when he gets called up. Yeah, we saw Wells, I believe, in the fall league this past year. Obviously, Dominguez was there. Wells looked good. I was, I was pretty impressed with what if it was, it was either this last year or the year before, one of the two. Saw him there. And then um, Florial, ADP of almost 740 right now. So I like get a DC. Yeah. It's probably not the worst late round dart if you're feeling frisky. Because mm-hmm. um, he, he has shown some, some definite skills in the minors, like you said, kind of falling off a bit. But at one point in time, there was a lot of hype up on, uh, on Esteban Florial. Uh, in some systems but um it's just the thing with the yankees is obviously you hope there's no injuries but there will be but right now they're pretty full where all things are said done and i still think they'll make another move somewhere along the line here so it's it's tough to see where these prospects kind of pan out at some point in time i'm with you i think floriel's got the quote-unquote easiest path to potentially seeing some playing time this year because even if like say Oswaldo struggles like that could open the door for Florial to get some playing time because we know who Aaron Hicks is now like we know who he is and hey he won't stay healthy either but um is he is he the guy probably not so it'll it'll make things quite interesting yeah the one thing with Wells too he could the issue with him though I potentially is his K rate I was I didn't see the percentage but it seems like he's about a 30 percent 33 percent strikeout rate guy so he may not Unless he fixes that, I don't think he'll be be too productive when he gets called up, whenever that is. But we'll see. 
Yeah, less than ideal, of course, but we'll see. He's yeah. got time. Hopefully, maybe it's a next season thing with Wells. Get uh, you know another year out of Trevino and Higashioka, and then bring Wells up after that. Let bring him up, and maybe you got your Florials and your Volpe. You get a whole whole new regime up there pretty soon in New York to go with the all the money they just spent this past year on Judge and company. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, any final thoughts on the New York Yankees for 2023, Ben? Before we wrap this one up. Um, no, I'm excited for uh, spring training to come around. We, I think we only have like six weeks. No, it's, not, it's less. It's less. Than, it's like four 27 weeks. days. 27 yeah, days. Yeah, four weeks. Yeah, yep. it's crazy. Yep, um, it's so close. I always remember it's, it's pretty much like I think Valentine's Day. You know, the love of our life, baseball comes back around then. So that's kind of <laughs> the way I look at it. It's usually around Valentine's Day where some teams start reporting to camp. You know, people's uh, player, pitchers and catchers' wives must be so happy that that's the day they pick to, to make <laughs> that happen. But I guess they look yeah. at the pocketbook and it's okay when all things are said and done. But um, Ben, as always, it's a pleasure joining me, my friend. And uh, we'll have to do some more act uh, recording as the season goes on. Absolutely, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at BreakingBen underscore T. And uh, we'll be back with more season previews throughout the coming weeks. But for now, this was your New York Yankees season preview with Ben Tidd. Catch you all later.